Welcome to The Protagonistas, a podcast that is centered on highlighting the stories and experiences of Black, Indigenous, and other women of color among communities of faith. Our conversations sit at the intersection of race, gender, sexuality, and spirituality. I'm your host, Kat Armas. On today's episode, I chat with Jarena Williamson, a best-selling author of numerous children's books that speak about real life and important topics surrounding race and ethnicity and belonging that aren't just for kids, but for adults too. In this episode, we chat about Jarena's recent book, Crowned with Glory, an ode to Black hair and Black girl joy. This joy-filled rhyming picture book invites young readers into the world of a young Black girl as she rocks her God-given beauty. It is so beautiful and so fun, and we need more books like these in the world. I had such a pleasure chatting with Jarena, who also shares about church planting and ministry and all of her wisdom with us today. I hope you enjoy our conversation and welcome to the protagonistas. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I've enjoyed following and learning from you for a long time. So this is an honor. Well, my faith journey really began as all of ours does before we came on the scene. Um, and today I'm on the protagonist, I am chatting with Jarena Williamson about her. Well, about, I want to chat about all your books, um, but and, um, um, more specifically yeah, about I know your that, most, um, most recent book, Crowned with so Glory. And so thank you, you for being here, Jarena, for chatting with me. Um, grandmother just went to heaven a couple of weeks ago. And um, oh, wow, I think, so uh, well, thank you. Thank you oh, for saying that. that. So um, she was a um, so grand at first, lady. I love to ask, People you know, her folks, lady, um, what, you know, their spiritual well, background um, is. I would love to so know when just I think about my faith, how you got to where you are and what your faith journey has looked like. Grand lady who spent her life in rural Charleston, South Carolina, and until her almost her 95th year, probably in her 93rd, 94th year, when she could not physically get on her knees anymore. She started every day getting on her knees, you know? And so when I think Mm -hmm. about my faith journey, I think of Lady Catherine, whose example and whose deep trust in God for generations going through so much as a woman um, in the South. um, She saw a lot that could have dissuaded Mm -hmm. her from the deep faith that she had. And so I think the older I get, I realize that that has been handed down to me and it's mm. really precious. Um, and I'm grateful for, you know, parents who um, weren't perfect at all in their faith journey, but but certainly were, were faithful. They loved God and they loved people. And I saw it. I saw my parents loving their Catholic friends, which um, I didn't understand when they did the sign of the cross, mm-hmm. what that meant, but we broke bread together. And um, in the summers I spent at my grandmother's house in South Carolina, 
going to their United Methodist Church. And so my Baptist upbringing got transposed into a Methodist experience during the summer and they worship differently and their liturgical experiences were a little out of the box of what I knew, but I see all of that shaped the faith that I cherish. Um, that that began as a child and that continued to grow. And, and then, you know, when I got married and my husband and I moved to Tennessee, we were part of a ministry birthed by a Presbyterian church. So then I got mm. baptized into that denominational experience. And God was crafting this mosaic for my yeah. story that helped me see that experiencing God was not confined to just the narrow experiences that I had. Right. And I hope I'm still in process, but I hope that's also helped me um, be open to learning and listening and sitting at the table with people whose experiences are very different from mine. Um, but again, talking back to my beautiful grandmother, um, it's just reminded me to cherish that heritage. That's really, really precious that I saw you know, faith wasn't just something that you read in the Bible, but it was something that mm. was experienced. And I saw how she loved people and I saw how she lived simply. Um, yeah. You know, on a day where people want our faith expressions sometimes to be grandiose and, and um, entertaining and right. um, spectacular and all of this, you know, I think of this simple woman and I just, I hold that, I hold that so preciously and the things that I received from her that maybe I didn't pay attention to as well as I should have as a child. I mean, none right. of us do, right? right? But now at 51, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so precious. And I'm so mm. grateful for that, for that heritage. Oh, you are totally speaking my language. <laughs> you know, all the abuelitas and the, the generational. Um, yeah. So there were two things that you said that that really um, stood out to me. One was that you talked about her knees and how, her, you know, getting on her knees. And I think that that is, you know, you're not the first or second or third person to tell me that about their grandmother. It's like that image of their grandmother, like the very first thing she did when she woke up in the morning was get on her knees. And it's like this powerful image, you know, yes. uh, my friend Sharifa Stevens, I had her on the podcast and she talks about the same thing that, you know, she lived with her grandmother and she shared a room with her. And that was you know, the first thing that she would remember every single morning. And, um, and that to me is a beautiful picture of an embodied faith, right? A yes. faith that touches, literally touches the ground, you know, and yes. leaves marks, literal mm. marks. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. Um, so thank you for sharing that image for us of, of your grandmother. Um, and then also, I just love that you write children's books and that you're, you know, you're thinking of so much about your grandmother because that is so much connected, you know, um, it, it is something that, again, this, this 
embodied faith that lives this generational faith well, that it lives certainly is a journey passed down for into you know the way it was not a journey that we and, and planned, the way you write um, and the way that you share I, this I message don't at all um, with um, those who come after us right and, and yes this message that we get from, from ours, but those who came before us and so i love that you know that connection this is it's so area that we feel is unreached or any of that thank you we found ourselves in tennessee um i did want to ask a backstory my husband was a part of a Asked me about your spiritual background. Um, so this was in the uh, early 90s planters, when, you know, a lot correct. of um, yes. the Christian Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Sure How's that been? I know everyone has, devil, you know, the, these if that was church planting, that you know, stories <laughs> were just, you know, it's a process, a journey. Um, so if you want to, if there's anything you, you want to share about that. Others who formed that group just really had a passion to take this, you know, natural gift that they had and communicate um, the gospel, communicate the good news, um, mm-hmm. and do that in prisons and do that on the street corners, um, in large cities and on the subways and just wherever they had the opportunity. And so it was just raw and authentic and, um, mm-hmm. God blessed, you know, the work that they did and, you know, kids were drawn to the beat and were drawn to, um, the rhythm of something that was familiar. And then when they came near, you know, they heard good news. They heard the good wow. news of, of, um, of who Jesus is. And so that's what brought us to Nashville. Um, their group got a record contract and, and we moved here, um, because this is where the hub of, you know, yeah. Christian was in the early nineties and, um, we moved here and then they lost a record contract. And so we're a young married couple. Oh, no. and we're kind of like, God, what are you doing? Like, did oh, you trick God. us? <laughs> like, wow. why are we in the land of cowboy boots and country music? <laughs> um, this is not yeah. where we would have chosen to live right. away from our families. But, you know, I, again, I think of the heritage of faith and, you know, you think of Abraham and Sarah being called to, you know, mm-hmm. leave and go somewhere that God didn't give them a PowerPoint presentation. He just said, go. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we think of so many others, um, both in, in scripture, but also that we've learned about in history who've just followed God and done, you know, things that did not make sense to them or to anyone else. And that's really what we found ourselves doing. We connected with this Presbyterian church here in Franklin that was doing, um, good work, but it was also tinged with some white saviorism and -hmm. they had begun to become aware of that. And really started looking to, you know, incarnate in a, a healthier way and have people of color to come aboard the work that they were doing. Um, and so Chris and I really fell in love with the grace that they had and 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 just as a young couple found ourselves joining community ministry, you know, ministering to kids, having them in our homes, playing basketball with them, just doing life on life. And out of doing that organic um, work in the community here, we just started seeing God bridge, um, you know, the Presbyterian church we were part of, we kind of came from more of a Baptist non-denominational background. Um, but we started doing life with people from all different Christian backgrounds, um, black and white, rich and poor, just a little bit of everybody in the mix and Mm. just started feeling this call to, to start something that wasn't existent here. You know, this was the early nineties. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the end thing. It wasn't right. Right. You know, the thing that people went to church conferences to play right. the first <laughs> church or whatever that means, you know? Right. Um, so we had no idea what that was going to look like. And in fact, I was pregnant well, with our second kid. And I, I remember thinking I'm pregnant and I don't know if I'm having a boy or a girl and we're also birthing a new ministry and yeah. we don't know what the heck we're doing, but wow. we just know God has said, Hey, I want you to love people. And 
um, gather people from different denominations and, and worship together. And so we started doing that. And I don't know that we know a whole lot more than what we did 20 right? years ago, <laughs> but wow. we've just tried to walk in faithfulness and, um, you know, strong tires, a beautiful, um, expression of God's diverse kingdom. And we have learned so much from, um, brothers and sisters who represent different cultures and come into the table of grace together, being able to agree on a lot, disagree on others, but learn from one another and right. hold that in honor and respect as we share yeah. humanity and, um, and love God together. And so, um, it's been, it's been a sweet place, not easy, not right. without seasons of just going, ah, especially, yeah. um, in these more recent years, but, um, you know, it's not supposed to be easy. That's not what life is. Right. And our right. stories are not easy. Our stories are messy. And so we just bring all of that together in the house of God and um, keep trying to worship and, and you yeah. know, love, love God and love each other. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow, 26 years. So you guys have really well, it um, is harder yeah, than been I through thought, it, you know. Sure. And, and, and I think I'm sure the best and the worst ways. I mean, that's a long time. And it's, a, yeah, it's a big commitment. So I'm sure they've seen so many incredible things really in these 26 years. So congratulations. Really that's thank you. a great accomplishment. We'll package yeah, it in a way you. that okay. So I want to talk about your books. Um so your most recent book, Crowned with Glory, I, I do want to talk you know, about that, but I'd love to hear just colorful, how you started writing really a, a, um, a book that helps children's books. Um, I think that that is so fun and, and just such a, an a amazing, uh, I don't know, uh, skill. It is hard. I can't imagine. I always say like, I would love to write a teach young children. I wouldn't even know how. As you're having conversations. I would love to hear how you started. This is what parents do with their youngest children. And so Colorful just comes alongside with an abuelita grandmother who, mm. who engages that teachable moment with her grandchildren and their friend. Um, so it's a display of, you know, multicultural friendship. Um, it's also a display of things that are common um, with all different types of families, you know, um, generations, um, those teachable moments that grandparents and parents get to have mm. with kids every day. And so, you know, the seeds of that really came really all of my books are really sourced from this beautiful body that um, I've I've had the joy of of leading and loving for 26 years with Chris and um, and so you know really during a hard season, Cat, a season where I was really asking God, you know, had it all been worth it? You know, just mm -hmm. one of those seasons that just felt really stormy, like the rain was not letting up. Yeah. Um, it was in the darkness that those first little story seeds started coming. And I wrote them in my journal thinking that maybe I was going to start that blog that I had been thinking of forever. Yeah. Um, you know, in her last days, my grandmother recounted to me again, how as a very young child, I loved to write. 
alphabets. Mm. And I was a kid who preferred to be inside at the table writing Mm -hmm. than to be outside playing and had to be forced to go outside actually. And she (laughs) always found that so sweet um, because she was such a cheerleader of my work. And I'm sure for her, someone who's known me my whole life, to see from a young preschooler who loved to write and tried yeah. to use that as a way to get out of doing chores. Like I have to write my alphabets, you know? And she loved <laughs> to tell me about that. So but to fast forward to God entrusting me with these wonderful stories years later is such a, a very dear memory for me and a treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just wrote down these story seeds thinking I might start a blog or something. And instead wow. I started seeing the shape of, wow, I could maybe I could speak to some of these topics that are swirling in culture and package it in a way that kids can relate to. And I thought of how Jesus would teach with parables and he yeah. would take, you know, objects that were familiar to his, you know, Middle Eastern audience, you know, mustard seed and things. We may not talk about mustard seeds in our, you know, in our culture as much today, but um, Jesus, you know, made his his lessons and and the things that he wanted to to teach about the kingdom. He made it relevant to the audience right. that he was speaking to, and so I I just focused on trying to do that. And God um, gave me the opportunity with colorful again, and then thoughtful. Um, you know, my second book was really inspired by my nephew who has Down syndrome. And so he has taught our family so much in his 14 years about what it means to value the gifts of people of all abilities and yeah. to give a child with a disability um, the honor of being the hero of the story. Right. And as I learned about, um, you know, publishing and how Black characters are underrepresented and Black um, creators don't get you know, it's growing, but so many stories that have been written featuring us have not been written by us. Right, and so right. in every, uh, you know, category of people of color, you know, that underrepresentation has what has been well-documented, but also children with, um, you know, disabilities are, are also incredibly right. underrepresented. So, yeah. um, so Josiah inspired that, that second book, Thoughtful, that features a, mm-hmm. a little boy who is Native American, who gets to be the hero of the story and help kids mm-hmm. see, we should value everyone's gifts. We share humanity. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, just on with all of them, I just kept trying to find ways to take topics that I felt were relevant, um, topics that children not only need to learn about, but I realized that kids aren't learning these things because the big people are struggling, right. right. Struggling with these topics. So, you know, as a bonus, because there are picture books, a lot of them will be read by adults with children. Yeah. So, you know, those, um, those grandparents, those aunties and uncles are going to, have some wonderful conversations that I hope will pique their curiosity and lead them towards further learn learning and growth and um, growing alongside of those kiddos as they all become change agents. So yeah. it's been fun.
Oh, that sounds amazing. And that is truly sacred work um, because, yeah, I mean, not only are you doing this uh, to, you know, to communicate these difficult topics to children, but they're not just for children, right? They're going to be read, as you said, um, as you mentioned, they're going to be read and even explained by adults. Because as you read children's books, a lot of times you offer your own commentary or you, you know, you kind of um, help walk children through what the words mean and, you know, what the story means. And so, um, that is truly sacred work, um, that yes, you are yes. providing well, for I'm, entire I'm families, so grateful right, that she did that because going back to this idea you know, of this again, more outside sort of, of black culture, faith that is passed on, um, who and may so, not understand. So talk to us about your most recent book, Crowned with Glory. And what I love about this is that, you know, when you're a publicist and I spoke with her, or, you know, when I reached out, I love that she had mentioned that, you know, you this know, stems from it, I mean, a recent, uh, the Crown well Coalition's 2021 that, study, that right? Black the Black women, Girls Experience Hair and Discrimination it's not just as black Early women, as but Five Years I am Old. A black woman and, and so I love that, you know, you are directly, um, you know, the, the uh, harm attacking, essentially, like a specific are, you know, issue. Or um, so if you want to talk to us a little bit about that, maybe, you know, the study or your experiences with this and what led you to write their natural hairstyle. And, you know, these antiquated, you know, rules that were, developed and people didn't even think about it because they were developed for a majority race. So, you know, mm -hmm. they've not taken into consideration um, the relevance to other people. And so um, as I continue to learn about that, and as I raised three black daughters, I have a mm -hmm. son and then I have three girls. So I've done lots mm -hmm. and lots of beautiful hair, um, yeah. spent many Saturday mornings combing out hair and um, teaching my girls to love the way that God made them and not to compare themselves, um, to embrace their hair texture and all the incredibly creative things that they can yeah. do with their hair, um, but also teaching them that they're worthy of respect and that, right. you know, people should not just treat them like a, a pet. And, and if we're honest, you know, I know, you know, we had a sweet little Morky that we got to love on for, for, for several years. And, and I've learned that, you know, you don't just approach a dog and put your hands out. Like you mm -hmm. learn that you stand there, you, you know, you, you treat a, a pet worthy of respect, right? You, you right, ask right. the owner, first of all, you know, can I pet your dog? And then if they say yes, then you put your hand out and let the dog sniff your hand. Like, you know, right. you learn these things. And so right. why would we not treat our fellow humans with the same yeah. respect? And so, yeah. Again, taking something that's relevant, that's necessary, putting it in a form that um, allows people to get a window in, you know, mm -hmm. but first I wrote it to give that beautiful mirror for my daughters, for my son, yeah. for my sisters. And, yeah. you know, it was written from experiences that I had um, of, of having, you know, college friends and, and friends in, you know, adulthood who are curious. They've never been to a black beauty parlor. So they're curious about how did you get your hair like that? It didn't look like that yesterday. You know, what's going on? And so the things that you get to converse about in, um, in your friendships, but also, you know, being in a multicultural church, we've had, you know, white families adopting black children and right. realizing, um, that, you know, I've got to learn how to, you know, either fix my child's hair or I need to early on, um, get connected to a good barber, a good mm -hmm. hairstylist, because their hair um, looking beautiful is an important part of who they are. Right. And I need to honor the way that God created them and make sure that I um, either learn and, and connect myself, you know, to people who can help me be humble enough 
to be right. teachable. Yeah. So all of those things were swirling in my mind as I thought about, you know, Psalms 8, where David talks about us being um, crowned with God's glory. Mm. And I just thought, you know, let's create a story where this beautiful girl is unbothered and unbossed <laughs> and is confident in who she is. And she has it. beautiful, big curly hair and she goes through life. And that's what right. crowned with glory is, is, is her story of, of coming into this world, learning that she's loved and then journeying through life with different hairstyles and all of her experiences and her activities in school and finding her career path, but growing in confidence and style. And um, yeah. it's been fun, Kat, to read in some schools and to see, I had one little, you know, white little boy in one school who just kind of looked in puzzlement, like, I don't even understand what this book is about. And I thought, <laughs> you know, this is good for you because yes. you're, not, you're not centered in this story. Yep. And it's good for you to read books where you are not centered, where it is, right. it is, it is unfamiliar to you. Right. Maybe even to his eyes, it was strange, but that was good for him because maybe right. that's going to pique his curiosity. And as he goes to school with little brown girls like my protagonist, you know, it will help him learn how to be respectful and right, honoring exactly. if he has questions. And so it's been beautiful to see beautiful black girls talk about how they connected with the image on the cover and see themselves represented the joy that they see that just feeds my heart. And oh, then for man. others to get that important literary window to be able to see into some of our cultural experiences. And I think that's so important, even in Christian books, right? right. That we don't right. just find these in mainstream stories, but they're stories that can also infuse the preciousness of our faith and her going to church and learning to pray and um, yeah. all of those experiences that are part of her life. So it was such a joy to write. And I'm so, so grateful to have this partnership with Waterbrook to, to have shared it with the world and, um, and hope that it just continues. Hey everyone, it's Kat. As a space for highlighting the stories of Black, Indigenous, and other women of color, this podcast has been important for so many listeners. And I would not be able to do this podcast if it weren't for the support of every single one of you. But beyond listening, you can help the show in other ways too. The first is obviously by heading over to your podcast app of choice and writing us a review. It helps the show greatly and doesn't cost you a dime to do it. That said, if you do have the funds to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash the protagonistas to learn more how your dollars can go to help fuel the growth of this podcast. For just a cup of coffee per month, you can keep this important work going. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the protagonistas. Yeah, well, it's so good. I I love that, you know, it really is just so fun and full of joy. And, and even, you know, when you talk about the, the part, um, or I guess like the, the page and that you mention about respect and, you know, they deserve, you know, we respect, we deserve respect and dignity. You know, I even love that because even, you know, communicating that very legitimate and serious truth, you know, it's done in such a way as, Hey, look, look at me. Like, I'm not going to entertain. I'm not going to even, you know, um, I'm going to continue in my truth and I'm going to continue, you know? So I thought that it was such a beautiful, um, and uplifting way to just, uh, to, to write this again, difficult truth and to just write this, um, 
this necessary, you know, sacred work. And so I can only imagine just how it has spoken to so many young uh, girls. And so um, it's so good. And you said this, you mentioned this toward the end uh, right now as you were speaking, but um, can you elaborate more on just how literature is a great way to um, build more inclusive communities and um, open a window, right, into understanding other cultures and just, uh, I guess, share just your love uh, for literature and how it does that. Absolutely. Well, you know, I want to also say that, you know, Crown with Glory has probably made just as much impact on women as it has on children. And that has been so very precious to my heart. I've gotten probably as many messages from women telling me Mm -hmm. how emotional it, it, the emotional impact that they had reading it, wishing they had had um, healthy and healing and honoring stories like that when they were children battling right. their own self-esteem, um, you know, loving who they are, how God made them, the hair that they have. Um, so I wanted to just gently insert that too, Kat, because that has been such a precious thing to me. It is sacred yeah. work, as you've said several times, and, yeah. you know, you entrust the messages that God gives you and you hope that those seeds float out there right. and reach hearts. And when you get word that it does, you just, want to go. And you felt that with your book, like, thank you, God, for letting me be yeah. part of the good work that you're doing. So, um, so, so that's been, been super, super sweet, but, um, yes, I, I you know, the truth is that some children are going to have the opportunities to travel, um, outside of their zip code, outside of their cities and their States and their countries and get to see all the beautiful people on God's great earth, you know, um, and, and for those who are able to do that, that's absolutely wonderful. Um, I would love to cede that to my children and to my children's children, the opportunities to travel um, and just to behold the beauty of, of the people and the lands. Um, but, but so many of our children are not going to physically be able to do that. And books are an incredible way for them to enter into another world. Um, you know, our children deserve wonder and they deserve joy and they deserve um, to learn and to feast um, on, on literature that expands their worldview, um, that teaches them about other cultures, whether they get to sample that cuisine or not. Maybe it will, you know, encourage in them, oh, mom, you know, I've been reading a book about this. Can we try this? Can we learn to make that? You know, um, maybe it will have them regard their friends that they go to school with in this world that's growing more and more multicultural, multiracial, diverse, you know, it will encourage them to look at their fellow, their friends, um, their fellow humans and see that humanity and not see the differences as something strange or something that postures them as better than or their friends as less than, but raises in them a curiosity. And I think that's what I hope I get to be a part of cultivating with my books is Mm -hmm. a curiosity. Um, You know, in, in the book, I wrote the celebration place that, that just sort of features different worship styles and different cultural experiences in the house of God. You know, the churches that people go to, whether they're in person or virtual, may look different. It may have a steeple. It may be a storefront. It may be in someone's living room as the early church was in Acts. But whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like, um, you know, we can appreciate that we're worshiping. Um, You know, we can appreciate the the gospel message that we hold dear. And, um, And again, 
you know, you can appreciate that someone's hairstyle is completely different from yours or, Mm. you know, wow, you know, the food that you're eating, it may smell different or it may look different. Can I ask you curious questions instead of turning up my nose or going, oh, you know, what's wrong with that? Assigning a negativity to it because it's different. And so again, these are things that adults have not done well. Right. <laughs> um, as a parent, it's near and dear to my heart because I wanted to cultivate that with my children when they were young. And we continue those conversations as they are adults. We continue mm-hmm. to have great, robust conversations about culture, about the things my college daughter's studying, the things my high schooler is studying, and the things that are happening in culture. So I hope that my work is part of um, that growing. Um, body of collaboration that's being produced by authors like yourself and so many others. I'm rejoicing when I see beautiful literature being written, both by people who share faith and people who don't, um, because I think even that's something that children have the opportunity to learn about through literature. So um, again, it's an honor. I feel like it's really my privilege to write for children because Jesus called them the greatest. You know, he centered children when the disciples argued about who was great, even the week of his crucifixion, they were still having arguments about who was great. And, and, and those arguments continue today, who's great and who's not. And Jesus centered children. And so I, I always remind myself that I write for the greatest. I write for the greatest in the kingdom, the little people, and what a joy to hopefully plant some seeds that will produce beautiful fruit um, long after I'm off the scene and my books are in someone's library. Maybe a child will open them up and find another treasure that will um, be an encouragement to their heart. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, you mentioned the word curiosity um, and how, yeah, I think, you know, as adults, we lose that. We lose this notion of curiosity. Um, but it's interesting because it's our children who lead us in curiosity, really. You know, it's our children who are naturally curious. It's our children who ask all the questions and want to know all the things. And it's really, you know, us who condition them out of that curiosity, right? We're the ones that say, well, you know, it's just this or it's just that. Or, you know, we're tired of answering the questions or we're tired of, you know, um, but I think going back to what you're saying, you know, reflecting on this notion that the children are the greatest and that God calls us to be like little children, um, I think that's one aspect of it, right? It's sort of re- reinvigorating that um, natural curiosity that we're born with and, and letting our children lead the way. I think that that is um, a way that we can move forward in this, letting our children lead the way. Because I don't think, you know, our children aren't naturally, um, I think they'll be more curious about other people around them if it wasn't for maybe the adults sort of um, placing any, you know, ideas or thoughts or biases or whatever it is on them, you know? Um, and so I think that, yeah, we can certainly let our children lead us in curiosity. And so, um, I think that, yeah, your work is doing, you know, a a beautiful work in, in, um, bringing that in our children, but also just reminding our adults that like, Hey, you know, (laughs) these are who we can learn from. Yeah. Uh, not, we don't, you know, we're not only the ones that teach. So that's right. um, Yeah. So thank you for your work, Dorina. It is beautiful. Um, honoring, right, dignifying, all of those incredible things, fun and joyous. And um, thank you for that. Um, Like I keep saying sacred work because it so is uh, a sacred work. Um, And so if you want to let folks know, you know, where they can buy your book or where they can follow you or where they can learn more about you. 
Absolutely. Well, I would love for people to connect with me. Um, I'm active on all the socials, or you can reach out through my website, DorenaWilliamson.com. And my books are available wherever you love to get books. I encourage folks to support their local bookstores, support, um, you know, minority owned bookstores. Um, but however it is that you love to, to get your books, um, you can find me there. And um, thank you so much, Kat, for giving me the opportunity to, um, you know, share with your audience. And again, just to be part of the stream of faithful ones who, have been doing things that you and I are benefiting from today. You know, oh, yeah. I, I continue to remind myself of that, that, you know, there are beautiful people in the kingdom of God who have labored long before us mm -hmm. and yep. what an honor to join their good work yeah. and um, strive to be faithful right? and what God has called us to do and um, just to walk it out one step at a time. And, you know, I think of your sweet little one and the beautiful curiosity that, you know, when you just look at those, that face and the things that they're wide-eyed with, you know, you're right. care, you're careful with, um, you know, you wouldn't just sit them right next to, you know, firecrackers or something that might, right. you know, startle them. You're, you're careful, but you're also cultivating. Right. Mm. Um, and you're, you're taking those, those good steps to, to step back and to watch, mm. you know, the yeah. wonder. And, and I just encourage our listeners to, you know, make sure you're, you're finding time to be around children. You know, yes. maybe that's a, maybe that's a plug for some of us who don't volunteer at our churches with the kids to, right. you know, be one of those people who helps hold babies or, um, yeah. you know, cut up paper or, or impart spiritual truths, um, you know, or coming alongside of a neighbor who might just need some support with their kids or a single yeah. parent who could use some, somebody to come alongside, but, um, you know, find those beautiful intentional ways to be around children where you yes. can help lift them up because it does take a village. Yeah. Um, speaking as a parent whose kids are so much older now, I'm so grateful for the people that God put in my path to help come alongside yeah. and to nurture that curiosity and, and to join us in the good work of nurturing them, right? Because yeah. we can't yeah. do it by ourselves. So, no. um, so it's a blessing for me. And if I've encouraged anybody today, then I'm grateful to have the opportunity to do so. Oh, I'm sure you have even encouraged me. So <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, you're uh, welcome. Thanks again for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to The Protagonistas. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review.